Welcome to the Providence Road Podcast. During the Bible class hour this summer at Providence Road, we are exploring the book of Psalms together in a series called Songs for the Road. We wanted to share those Bible classes with you guys here on the podcast. That being said, it is a Bible class. So there were comments and questions that were uh, given by people in the class that um, don't come through on the recording. And so if it feels a little choppy, I apologize for that. But we hope that you're encouraged and that you enjoy uh, this episode of Songs for the Road. All right. Um, so my name is Alex Vi. I have been coming up here to Providence Road for um, not even a year yet. So we started last fall, kind of officially joined the membership here um, as mission partners here in February. And so it's a pleasure to be here with you all again this morning and to uh, be sharing some thoughts with you in terms of the class and uh, this psalm. So uh, bear with me a little bit. I've never taught a class before. I've done a number of different things, but like actually teaching a class, I've not really done it. So I just wrote down a lot of like, my thoughts and my understanding as I read this psalm. Um, so I want to share that with you all, share kind of like my findings and kind of like digging deeper into it. Um, and then we'll have some, some time and opportunity to, to discuss together, ask, you know, answer questions and uh, go from there. So uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 9. Um, I chose this psalm uh, because I believe it's applicable to us as a society today. Um, And so I want us to explore some themes around justice, patience, and divine sovereignty. So before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump uh, into the Word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we have to come together right now and read your Word and understand more about you and dig deeper into uh, your will for us and just understanding uh, how our relationship with you works. Um, thank you for this, this group that we have in here today that we can uh, meet together and, and have these conversations and continue to grow and learn in our spiritual faith towards you. God, I pray that you uh, guide me in the words as we uh, look at this and that you uh, keep us focused on what you want us to hear and what you want us to learn from this. It's all this, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read it here first. This is Psalm 9, verses 1 through 20. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell you all, I will tell of all your wonders. I will rejoice and be jubilant in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations, you have eliminated the wicked, you have wiped out their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to an end in everlasting ruins, and you have uprooted the cities. The very memory of them has perished, but the Lord sits as king forever. He has established his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the uh, peoples fairly. The Lord will also be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. 
For you, Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion, declares his deeds among the peoples. For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the needy. Be gracious to me, Lord. See my oppression from those who hate me. You lift me up from the gates of death so that I may tell you of all your praises, that in your gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down into the pit which they have made, and the net which they hid their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. A wicked one is ensnared in the work of his own hands. The wicked will return to Sheol, all the nations who forget God, for the needy who will, who will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. Arise, Lord, do not let mankind prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, Lord. Let the nations know that they are merely human. So the original context for this psalm, as with many others, is not explicitly stated within this text itself. However, given David's life and experiences, it's possible that this psalm was composed in response to time of conflict or battle. David faced many enemies, both from other nations and from within his own kingdom. So his reference to enemies in the oppressed could relate to these experiences. David was a king, but he was also deeply spiritual and devoted to God. He often expressed his faith, trust, and dependence on God through the Psalms. Therefore, while he may have been facing physical enemies, the themes of the Psalm can be seen as a spiritual nature. As for the intended audience here, uh, it's likely that the psalm was originally written for the people of Israel to be used in their worship of God, uh, so as like a song in their worship. The psalm were written or were often sung as part of the worship in the Jewish temple, so they would have been familiar in the community as expressions of faith, lament, praise, and prayer. Um, the themes of psalms, including Psalm 9, would have resonated with the experiences and the spiritual journey of the people of Israel. So, however, the Psalms also have embraced by believers um, for many different times and cultures as part of the scriptures. Obviously, that's a big part of why this class and the series is, exists as we, we reflect on these individual Psalms um, is because they still are applicable to us today. They express universal human experiences and emotions in the context of a, late, of a relationship with God. So while Psalm 9 was written by David for the people of Israel, its audience uh, now extends to all those who find its words reflections of their own spiritual journey. So what's the relevance for, for this today? Uh, the relevance for, of Psalm 9, like many passages in the Bible, transcends its original context and has enduring application for today's society. There are a few themes here that I want to dive into. So first is justice, divine sovereignty, refuge, and praise. So the theme of justice that you, you hear in this text, this is a universal and timeless concern. People everywhere at all times desire fairness and equity. Injustice and oppression were issues in David's time, and they continue to be pressing matters today. Psalm 9 provides us with a way to look at these issues from a spiritual perspective, reminding us that ultimate justice is in the hands of God. Uh, the theme of sovereignty. 
So the psalm affirms God's sovereignty over the world. In our modern society, where so much is uncertain and unpredictable, the reminder of divine sovereignty can be uh, comforting. Despite changes in political regimes, economic conditions, or societal norms, God remains a consistent, unchanging presence. And then we have the theme of refuge. David speaks to God, speaks of God as a refuge for the oppressed, a safe place in times of trouble. Today, many people face various forms of oppression and trouble, poverty, discrimination, violence, illness. The psalm's message is that God hears and responds to cries for help, and that, those, that, those, that can bring hope and encouragement to people in difficult circumstances. And then finally, the theme of uh, praise here. The importance of thanksgiving and praise to God remains a central part of worship in all Christian communities. And Psalm 9 begins and ends with the expressions of gratitude and praise to God, modeling an attitude of worship that recognizes God's goodness despite the challenges we may face. These themes and how we respond to them can help shape our attitudes, behaviors, and relationships in today's world. They remind us that regardless of societal changes, fundamental spiritual truths remain relevant, and we can reflect on these times as we navigate the complexities of our uh, contemporary society. So for me, again, kind of going back to why I chose this, this psalm, I think sometimes I struggle with the notion that God is listening to our prayers. Um, this is kind of an internal battle that I, that I struggle with. Um, and is God actually present in what we're praying about today? There's so much suffering, there's so much evil, there's so many bad things happening to good people. And, you know, it makes me question things. It makes me wonder if God really cares about what's happening on earth or if we're just writing it out to the end. So I struggle with these thoughts myself constantly. I don't personally question God's existence, but whether or not he intervenes here on earth today. You know, I hear people asking God to, for him to lead their team to victory in their sport and then praising when they, when they do win. And then at the same time, there's people on the other team who also prayed, but they lost. So it's like, what's God's uh, role in, in something like that? I mean, as silly as that is on the flip side, I see things all the time where good Christian families go through horrific losses. I mean, you look at the you know, Christian school shooting in Nashville, the evil that was there and this fam- what those families had to endure. In this, we actually saw swift justice in human eyes as the shooter was taken out quickly. But at the same time, she clearly had irreparable mental issues that brought her to that moment. So where's the justice in any of that? Um, recently, I saw this uh, Facebook post that was kind of going around within Christian communities. A family lost their five-year-old daughter. Um, They took her to the ER thinking it was a stomach bug, and um, by the, you know, the next day, they were asking the world for prayers, and the prayers seemingly weren't answered. They didn't have the outcome that they wanted. Um, And so where's the justice in, in, in any of that? How is that fair? And we constantly see racial tension, economic group tension, environmental tension, political tension, one group blaming the other for all the problems 
yet both have uh, folks that consider themselves Christians on either side. And both think the Christians on the other side have lost their way. So, in this context, Psalm 9 speaks directly to our concerns. It acknowledges the reality of evil and suffering, yet also affirms God's sovereignty and justice. The psalmist, David, himself faced numerous threats, crises, and moments of despair, yet he repeatedly turned to God in prayer, trust, and praise. He saw God as his refuge, a place of safety amid the storms of life. While there are instances like the Christian school shooting in Nashville or the heartbreaking loss of a little girl, where it seems like God is absent or indifferent, Psalm 9, 9 through 10 assures us, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Even when circumstances feel unjust and we can't see God's plan, we're invited to trust in his ultimate goodness and justice. It's difficult to understand why some prayers seem to be answered while others don't. We don't have a clear answer, answer to this, just as we don't understand why one sports team wins and another loses, uh, even though they both prayed. But the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. It's to align ourselves with God and to express our trust in him regardless of the outcome. Even as we grapple with these issues, Psalm 9 reminds us it's okay to lament, to question, and to cry out to God. In fact, I think as a Christian, that's extremely healthy to have those moments of questioning, of doubt. It helps you learn, it helps you grow. We can bring our confusion, our doubts, and our pain to him, just as David did. Psalm 9, 12 says, For he who avenges blood remembers he does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. This assures us that God sees, God knows, and God cares about the suffering in this world. In the end, Psalm 9 doesn't resolve all our questions about suffering and evil, but it points us towards the one who is with us or questions our pain. It reassures us of God's justice and reminds us of his constant presence, even when we don't understand his ways. Um, All right, so I'm going to go through the psalm again here. We're going to go kind of section by section. We're going to break it down a little bit. Um, Starting in verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will rejoice and be jubilant in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Here David begins by declaring his wholehearted praise of God. He says he will give thanks to the Lord with his whole heart recounting of all his marvelous works and expressing joy, singing praises to his name. Verses 3 through 6. When my enemy turns back, they stumble and perish before you, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne judging righteously. You have rebuked the nations. You have eliminated the wicked. You have wiped out their name forever and ever. The enemy has come to an end in everlasting ruins, and you have uprooted the cities. The very memory of them has perished. In these verses, uh, David describes the downfall of his enemies. They stumble and perish at the presence of God. This is a testament to God's power and the divine justice he can impose. In verses 7 and 8 says, But the Lord sits as king forever. He establishes his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness. He will execute judgment for the peoples fairly. This part 
is a declaration of God's eternal reign and his judgment. God is presented as a fair judge who rules the world with righteousness, exercising true justice. Verses 9 through 10. The Lord will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. Here David speaks of the Lord as refuge for the oppressed, a safe place in times of trouble. Those who know God's name, meaning those who are in relationship with him, can trust him because he does not abandon those who seek him. Verses 11 and 12. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare his deeds among the peoples. For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the needy. In these verses, we see that uh, invite others to join in praising God. It also reminds the readers that God does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Verses 13 through 14 says, Be gracious to me, Lord. See my oppression for those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death, so that I may tell you of your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. Here David makes a personal plea for mercy, asking God to lift him up from the gates of death. This implies a situation of extreme danger. Uh, the purpose of his deliverance is so that he can declare God's praises and rejoice in his salvation. And then verses 15 through 18 says, The nations have sunk down to the, into the pit which they have made, and the city which they have hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. A wicked one is ensnared in the work of his own hands. The wicked will return to Sheol. All the nations who forget God for the, for the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted perish forever. In this section here, David reflects on the concept of divine retribution. Those who dig a pit to harm others will fall into it themselves. Those who do evil will be trapped by their own wickedness. On the, on the contrary, the needy will not be forgotten, and the hope of the afflicted will not perish, for God sees and cares. And then finally here, verses 19 through 20, says, Arise, Lord, do not let mankind prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put, put them in fear, Lord. Let the nations know that they are merely human. The psalm concludes with a cry for, for God to not let humans, the nations, prevail it's a prayer for God to judge the earth, that the nations might not know they are but mortal. In summary, Psalm 9 is a hymn of praise and a plea for justice. It acknowledges God's sovereignty, fairness, and his care for the oppressed. At the same time, it reminds us the inevitable downfall of wickedness. The psalm presents a worldview deeply grounded in faith and reliance on God's deliverance, regardless of life circumstances. This can be a difficult topic to grapple with, but I hope these reflections can provide some comfort and clarity. And um, It's a journey of faith, and it's okay to have questions and doubts along the way. And remember, it's not the absence of doubts that defines faith, but the decision to keep trusting God in the midst of them. So I have a few questions here that we'll talk about together as a group, and then I have some discussion questions that we'll jump into here uh, with our tables. So the first question I have here, this is around the theme of justice. So my question is, 
how do you reconcile the existence of injustice in the world with the belief in a just God? I'll ask that again. How do you reconcile the existence of injustice in the world with the belief in a just God? Yeah, I think that's the hard. It's so hard. It can be so hard for us as, as humans to separate what we think is just or what we think is right from what God's plan is. Uh, jump into the next question here. This is around the theme of sovereignty. Uh, how does understanding God's sovereignty impact your daily life and decision making? How does it affect your response to the things that are, that are out of your control? I'll ask you that one more time. How does understanding God's sovereignty impact your daily life and decision making? And how does it affect your response to things that are out of your control? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think, and for me too, like where, what I tr- try to do and what, if, when times are good, when things are going really well for me, uh, it's easy to, it's easy to even to praise God and to be like, this is, life's great. Like, I'm so blessed, you know, everything's awesome. But what I try to remind myself and like prepare myself for in my prayers to God is um, being prepared and ready for when times do get difficult, that I don't lose faith, that I don't lose sight of what's important, that I, that I keep tied to communities like this and relationships and those, you know, so that I can get through those difficult times. Um, all right, let's, next question here is on the theme of refuge. So can anyone share a time when you experienced God as a refuge during a difficult situation? How did this experience shape your understanding of God and your relationship with him? And I'll read that one more time. Share a time when you experienced God as a refuge during a difficult situation. How did you experience, how did this experience shape your understanding of God and your relationship with him? Um, and then before we get to kind of some of these table discussions, last question here is around the theme of praise. Uh, how can we cultivate a habit of praising God even in challenging circumstances? And in doing so, can you share an example of a time when you were able to praise God amidst adversity? So how can we cultivate a habit of praising God even in challenging circumstances? And can you share an example of a time when you were able to praise God amidst adversity? That's great. I mean, I think that's a great way to look at like opportunities of praise it 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 goes back to that theme of control that we're kind of talking about too because like it is it's hard to give up control in those situations and you want things to go the right way and in your mind of like the path of leading someone to heaven like you're talking about like you want them that you want them to get to heaven as well and when they're not doing exactly what you want them to do it's uh you're losing that control. And so turning that control over to God, trusting in his plan, trusting in his time and his understanding and figuring out how you can come alongside and step into that area of praise, I think that's, I think that's huge. I'm gonna pass out these questions to, to the tables. I have four questions here, but just pick one or two to kind of talk about with, with your table here as we wrap things up. Um, I'm gonna read the questions out for so so you can begin thinking about them as I pass these out. But it says, how does David describe God in this psalm? What characteristics of God stand out to you? 
So that's one question. Next one is, have there been times in your life where you've seen justice served in unexpected ways? The next question here is, how can we balance seeking justice in the here and now with waiting patiently for God's ultimate judgment? And the last question here that you can be thinking about is, how can we apply the principles in this psalm when dealing with personal conflicts or difficult people in our lives? I want to hand these out, but y'all can begin discussing. Thank you again for listening to the Providence Road podcast. Um, If this was encouraging to you, just remember that this is a series that's going to be going on all summer at 10 a.m. during the Bible class hour in the gym. And we'd love for you to join us if you're able in person to hear these teachings and to participate in the conversation that's happening around it. Um, We're very thankful for your support and we hope to see you soon. Have a good week.